Well, it's good to be here tonight with you all. Now, I've got a challenge for those of you who are married or who were married. Can you remember the hymns you had at your wedding? Yes. Good, good. I was uh, preaching at Backwell last Sunday night and I'd chosen one of my favourite hymns as the last hymn uh, of the evening and it was Immortal Honours Rest on Jesus' Head. And the lady who was playing the piano said to me afterwards, we had that hymn at our wedding. Well, Liz and I chose among others, I hope she doesn't interrogate me to remember the others, but we chose among others the lovely hymn by Charles Wesley, And Can It Be That I Should Gain. Many of you will know that, of course, and the words. And we found it particularly amusing to ourselves when other people were talking about um, becoming uh, chained to your wife in marriage, that this hymn spoke of chains falling off. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me, who caused him pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be? that thou, my God, shouldst die for me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. And I was reminded of that hymn when I read through this psalm to prepare to preach on it this evening because in that wonderful hymn Charles Wesley spoke of the delight the wonder of finding out that all his sins had been forgiven it was to him like having been in a dark dungeon and suddenly it blazed with light it was to him as if he'd been chained up imprisoned and suddenly he was free and uh, if I can put it like this Charles Wesley is saying that the gospel the gospel that centers in Christ and his atoning work is God's get out of jail free card and that's what this psalm declares Psalm 32, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. The delight in knowing that our sins are forgiven 
and our sin is not counted against us. The freedom that there is in that. The freedom of knowing that Christ died in our place. No condemnation. Another one of my favourite hymns, an old hymn by Augustus Toplady, which is rarely sung nowadays. It has these wonderful lines in it. To underline that it is impossible for the one who has trusted in, the, in Christ and in his death to come under condemnation. He writes these words in his hymn, Payment God will not twice demand. First at my bleeding Saviour's hand, and then again at mine. If Christ has paid the debt for our sin, we are free. And that fills us with unspeakable joy and thanksgiving. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. I love that um, comment we had for today, which spoke of sin not being counted against us, and spoke of chains coming off. Wonderful collect. But on the other hand, the psalmist speaks in this psalm of what it was like before he came to a knowledge of sin forgiven. Verses 3 and 4, when I kept silent before he came to God to acknowledge his sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sat as in the heat of summer. Unconfessed sin leads to a sickness in the soul. It leads to the harbouring of guilt and of shame. It leads to sleepless nights. It leads to worry and anxiety. And it can even lead to sickness in the body as we feel in our physical being that things are wrong with us. Now I'm not saying all disease or sickness is the result of unconfessed sin. That's what Job's comforters said to him and they weren't much good to him. But on the other hand, when there is unconfessed sin and guilt and shame in our lives and we can't be rid of it, it has a sickening effect not only on our souls but on our bodies and our well-being. But then he says, then I acknowledge my sin to you. Did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. What a blessing there is in that. Forgive me if I repeat some things that you may have read a week ago, if you're following my notes because this psalm was for a week ago, but it's on the lectionary for today. So that's why I'm preaching on it now. But five years ago, 
As most of you know, I was very ill. I had no energy. I could no longer go out running. The minute I tried, I had to stop and I didn't know what was going on. And when I went to the doctor, they suggested, first of all, that maybe it was a virus, go away, and perhaps you'll get better. And when I didn't and went back again, or my wife drove me back again, actually, as wives do, praise God for them. Um, when I was driven back again to the doctor, eventually I was given an ECG, and I heard nothing from that either, until a week later, I had a phone call in the middle of the day to say, you must go to hospital now, which was quite alarming, really. They didn't know quite what was wrong with me in the hospital either for a while, but then they discovered that my aortic valve in my heart wasn't closing properly. And it wasn't just letting blood through the one way that it should do, it was letting it back again as well. And as a result of that, my heart enlarged and the electrical pathways were damaged and uh, I wasn't getting an electrical pulse. And my pulse went down to 30. And so eventually I had to have a, a, an artificial heart valve and then a pacemaker. But you see, the point is this, that until there was an accurate diagnosis of what was wrong with me, it could not be cured. And we live in a world where people are suffering from guilt and shame, leading to uh, depression and leading to sickness of soul and of body. And they do not know what is wrong. But if only they knew what was wrong with them as the Bible describes it, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, but that God is gracious and forgiving. And if only we come to him and confess our sin and trust in the one who has atoned for sinners, we have forgiveness and all our sin is washed away. There's no other remedy for sin. There's some lovely verses in Colossians, verses I love a great deal, where Paul says in Colossians 2, verses 13 to 15, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Think of the ways in which you've fallen short of the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine all of them. But I know that if I were to write them down, if I could remember them all, they would be a very, very long list. And I would be writing them down for the rest of my life, I've no doubt. 
especially as I would keep falling short of the glory of God. But imagine that long list of all the ways in which you've fallen short of the glory of God. And read this passage backwards for a moment. Paul says that God has taken that long list and has nailed it to the cross of Christ so that Christ bore the penalty for our sin. Every single one of them. And he has cancelled that record that stood against us. So that when we stand before God in glory, we'll have to answer for our lives. But that there will be no condemnation. Because the record has been wiped clean. He's forgiven us all our sin. And he's made us alive with Christ. Praise his great and glorious name. Another of my favourite hymns I want to quote this evening. It's one we do sing here from time to time. Which is based on those words from Colossians. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. And then this verse, based on these words from Colossians, my sin... Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. No wonder the psalmist can say, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. He knew what it was to be forgiven by God. He didn't know all about the Lord Jesus Christ as we do. Our assurance, if I can put it like this, should be even greater than his. And we should be able to say this with him with great confidence. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. Protect me now and in, it, and in that last day when I stand before the living God and see him in all the glory of his holiness. Then too, I am protected. And so we affirm together the last verse of this psalm, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. We are filled with joy in the knowledge of sin forgiven. We praise God for his goodness. We praise Christ for his great love. And this evening we come to remember these things afresh. <laughs> 
and to come before God and lay all those cares before him, knowing he cares for us, and to know that healing touch on our souls and our bodies that comes from him. But lastly, surely we cannot keep this good news to ourselves if we know what is wrong with this world around us. The disease that afflicts every one of humankind. And we know what is the remedy for that disease. We cannot keep it to ourselves, surely. We have to tell others of what we have found in Christ and what they also can find in him. May God help us to do so for his name's sake.